Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's hard to imagine the wheels coming off any government any more spectacularly than they have just done in the last two hours. Brexit Secretary Dominic Raab joined a long list of cabinet ministers that have resigned from Theresa May's government just over an hour ago. Uh, and just over seven minutes ago, uh, it looks like Esther McVeigh, the Work and Pension Secretary, has joined that particular band as well. She's not likely to be the last. I'm expecting there to be at least one more before Theresa May gets up in the House of Commons at half past ten to give us her version of events. We're Already hearing from Matt Hancock, it's a good deal, and we now have to work through getting uh, it passed by everybody in concern. But that's not going to happen. Prime Minister's call for unity of heart and mind last night now seems like something from the dim and distant past. As Tories from all sides appear to be ganging up on her and preparing her for the slaughter, it's entirely possible we could have a full-blown political crisis by the end of the day. We'll guide you through everything that happens as it happens. 0344-499-1000. Daisy McAndrew is here, of course. She's seen plenty of governments shoot themselves in the foot and in the head over the past few years and Katie Perrier will be joining us too to give us her take on all the shenanigans in Westminster today. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, after we saw Theresa May last night, very good morning to you, Daisy. Morning, it's so exciting, I almost forgot the niceties <laughs> of the show. Uh, after we saw Theresa May last night coming out, standing on her own in front of a microphone, telling everybody what the deal was and why everybody should get behind it and why the cabinet was going to get behind it. At one point, I thought because she was on her own that she was actually going to then resign on the basis that it wasn't going as well as she thought it should. Yeah, she looked, it was extraordinary, wasn't it, last night? And as you said, it seems like a million years ago now. Mm. Um, we've always said a week's a long time in politics. Yeah. That's 24 hours is <laughs> a long time at the moment. Exactly. 24 minutes yeah. at the moment. Um, so she, I thought she looked quite sort of strong and she did look a bit strong and stable last night. She this, did. This morning, she doesn't look that at all. And of course, you know, people saying, why is the Brexit secretary resigned? Surely it was he who negotiated this deal. So why would he resign over a deal that he negotiated? But I think that's the whole point. I don't yeah. think he was allowed to negotiate the deal that he wanted right. to negotiate because it's as with so many things with Theresa May. She sort of micromanaged it and, she done, does. Done, and in fact, done it her way. I've got a tweet from somebody called Ray here who says, with Rab's resignation, it would tend to show that Ollie Robbins was the real negotiator. Otherwise, surely he would have known that he messed up the negotiations himself. Exactly So that. Ollie Robbins seems to be the guy yes. uh, who's been given the credit, the guy who will in fact carry the can if it all goes horribly wrong, yeah. as it appears to be doing. Yesterday, uh, I was sitting here saying, you know, I think it's time for pragmatism. I think it's time to just take the deal as it is, understand that you can't please all of the people all of the time because of the fact, some people are actually saying, because it's upset both sides so much, it must be somewhere near right, <laughs> yes. because it's somewhere in the middle. It's some kind of a balance. But clearly the reaction to it has been out of all proportion yeah. uh, to the, the plan. And Esther McVeigh's resignation, as you said, just a few moments ago, and I was just looking at her letter, and she finishes up her letter to the Prime Minister, yeah. uh, saying, in politics you have to be true to the public and true to yourself. Had I stayed in the government and supported this deal with the EU, I wouldn't be doing that. Um, and it goes on to say that she's similar to what Dominic Raab said. David yeah. Henke uh, is our man down in the lobby. He's going to tell us precisely what the mood is down there. It must be fairly bloodthirsty, I would think. David, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Yes, I think it is extremely bloodthirsty. Yes. At the moment. I mean, there are so many knives being thrust into so many backs and some fronts that it's hard to keep up, isn't it? 
It is, actually. I mean, and I, I would expect, um, if we've now had estimate Dave, Dominic Rab, the next one most likely is Penny Morden, yeah. who was uh, pretty as the International Development Secretary, is critical sceptical. And I, frankly, we're not quite sure where it's going to stop. No, quite. I mean, I suppose the question now is, does this seem to you like an organised and sort of choreographed rebellion by this by the Brexiteer uh, uh, sort of cabinet members, or is it all kind of happening on a, on an ad hoc basis, if you like? Well, I think it's partly ad hoc. I don't think it is completely organised, but I think what has happened is, and I did look through the 585 pages of that deal. Well done. And frankly, it contains all sorts of things that I can understand Brexiteers will be extremely worried about, and so would Remainers. I mean, for example, I mean, we're all saying we've got to pay uh, 40 billion, 45 billion, but actually, if you look at the small text of it, we the low, we will continue paying bits and pieces to the EU to 2028. That's nine years away. Mm. Um, we can't negotiate for your Brexiteer any tariff reduction with any country in the world while we remain stuck in this. We haven't got a, a veto to leave. They've got the veto. And I think what's happened is people have sort of reflected on this from all sides and thought, well, this is just the worst possible solution. If you're a Remainer, you can't argue with, the, you know, on an equal level with other countries about changes to EU rules. You've just got to take them. And if you're a Brexiteer, well, you can't do anything. David, <laughs> no. David, can I just ask you, from a, you know, the point of view of our listeners who might be a bit confused, just starting with um, Rob, the Brexit Secretary, Rob's um, exit earlier this morning, obviously many people will think, well, hang on a minute, surely wasn't it him who negotiated this deal? So why is he resigning? I mean, my understanding is that that's the problem, that he, you know, that he wasn't allowed to have anything like a sort of free reign in the negotiations. But is that your understanding of why would the Brexit Secretary resign over a Brexit deal? Yes, it is my my understanding. I mean, he seems to be put in the same position that David Davis yeah. was before him, in the sense that Ollie Robbins, as rightly one of your uh, people has indicated, her number 10 top civil servant, negotiated really the deal. And he basically didn't turn up. In fact, he's been pointing out the last time he turned up was to tell them that they couldn't get some, they couldn't agree to the latest. So he has played no meaningful role, as far as I can see, in actually settling the terms. And obviously he's slept, I mean, roughly what one can see is he's slept overnight on it, sort of got up the morning for breakfast and suddenly thought, well, I can't go on defending something I've I've not been given a chance to negotiate because I wouldn't have agreed this. Is it possible, David, that the worst the worst possible scenario, which we appear to be now being confronted with, is, is actually also the best? Because this is one of the arguments that was being made yesterday that you know you can't please everybody somebody's going to be upset and if you're upsetting everyone then maybe you're doing something right yeah well that's all very well but if in fact you're then relying on the very same people to approve this in the House mm. of Commons next month 
and you've upset the whole lot of them. None of them are going to vote for it. Right. I mean, that's the problem, actually, that it's actually Parliament has got the sovereignty over this in the end, in the sense that MPs can, if they really think it's not suitable, and it seems quite clear from what Keir Starmer was saying on the Labour side, that they're uh, equally unhappy with the, with the present deal. Um, you can't... It, it may be the best compromise. I can imagine Whitehall and the European Commission think, well, this is the best compromise. It's orderly. Uh, it gives us time to reflect, time to negotiate a new deal. Um, but, I mean, the emotional side, and I think the emotional side's taken over in Westminster today, um, just say, no, we can't, we can't accept it. So, David, remind us of what the sort of procedures and, and the mathematics are. Obviously, we've had three resignations already, so that would show us that those people aren't going to be supporting uh, the Prime Minister. We know that the Prime Minister at the moment, uh, you know, is in bed with the DUP and then the, the Labour Party and she needs the Labour votes. But how, how does the maths break down? Well, it seems to break down that you've got sort of possibly 40 hard Brexiteers on the Tory side that we're going to agree. And you've got a small number of Remainers who might be tempted because we're staying in the customs union for the moment to vote it on the Labour side. But even them, I noticed um, people like um, Chris Leslie earlier, who I would think as a, uh, an MP who's very much on the uh, side of that, that side, would be tempted, has made it clear he's not tempted to vote for this. And I think I don't think you'll even get Chukaruma, who's one of the strongest remainers on the Labour side, and who also disagrees with Jeremy Corbyn a lot, um, actually going along with it either. So. The mathematics is really quite, uh, quite, quite uh, sort of against her. And then if you add that, that there's a group of Tories that will now include um, Remainer Tories like Joe Johnson, who's quite widely respected, um, joining in, <laughs> it makes it really difficult to, to get it through. And also, you've got to remember there's another agenda hidden all behind this, that Jeremy Corbyn wants a general election, and therefore one way to get it is to vote down the Brexit deal. No, or indeed. One way to try and get it. <laughs> well, the order, presumably the order of events will now be a few more cabinet ministers resign. We then find out whether or not there's enough Tory backbenchers who are calling for a, uh, an election for the leadership of the Tory party. I mean, it doesn't look good for Theresa May at this point, does it? No, it doesn't. And in fact, I would think it might go the other... Uh, go, you might... I mean, and this is really difficult to say. It depends on the conditionality, which is basically some some of the Tories who are calling for a challenge to, to Theresa May have said, well, you've got to ring me and check whether I think the time is right. But the mood seems to be going that way. And when the cabinet resignations will make it worse, you could get the ludicrous situation of a, a leadership challenge <laughs> you know, being announced mm. later this week. Well, indeed. <laughs> we'll delay things further and actually also throw the whole, um, you know, any moves for further, uh, you know, negotiations. <laughs> it's completely up in the air because whoever, say, say she does lose and resign, you might get a new leader who's more pro-Brexit or want to, it will just say, right, well, we're just going anyway. <laughs> So, I mean, did Theresa May, May massive 
effectively get it wrong last night after the meeting of, of the various members of the cabinet who we are told were still unconvinced by her arguments and who were fairly clearly against this deal going through. Uh, was she making a massive error of judgment when she agreed to deal with the European Union? I mean, you know, has she actually done anything right in all of this? Well, well this is a, the trouble. I mean, one of the big troubles about Theresa May, I mean, she, she, she has many qualities, including actually, to be fair to her guts, determination to pursue it, and she did pursue things similarly as Home Secretary, is she's not very good, she's not very collegiate in actually um, going and talking to people outside. Mm. And in fact, one of the biggest complaints, I mean, although I think he's got a bit of a brass neck to blame her today, Nick Timothy, who was her former special advisor. Well, he was the guy that told her to have to have another election, wasn't he? Yes, exactly. And he got that wrong. Um, she, um, uh, um, she, he's now trying to say, well, she's made a mess of it. But he is the very sort of person who wouldn't allow, basically, he sort of set up barriers so she couldn't, so she didn't talk to a lot of people. And I think, and, and frankly, she should really. I mean, other prime ministers might have gone around the tea room in the House of Commons, that little room where it's only MPs can go, and had chats with people, or perhaps asked some to come to their offices and talk to them. And it was only last night that Theresa May suddenly thought, oh, perhaps I'd better, to get this through, perhaps I'd better talk to Jeremy Corbyn, or perhaps I'd better talk to... Well, indeed. Oh, sorry, we've had to interrupt this, David, for uh, because that is the noise that we hear. Uh, when we know that yet another cabinet minister has resigned. Uh, Daisy, over to you. Who's it's it? Who it's is not it? a cabinet minister. Um, it's a Brexit minister, uh, Suella Brever- Braverman, okay. uh, who is a minister, but not a cabinet minister for okay. Brexit. So there's nobody running Brexit so anymore. So nobody's running Brexit. David, um, I'm not sure how significant that is and the order in which it has come, uh, but yet another one bites the dust as we hear. Yes, well, I'm not surprised. And also it was the Northern Ireland minister, wasn't there? There was, yes. Shaleshvara. To be honest, I wasn't sure who that was when the name first appeared. neither was I. (laughs) Well, I'm very glad to hear it. Well, they got their five seconds of fame. Yes, they got five seconds of fame, but got eclipsed very quickly. Yeah, well, Suella Braverman's not a name that that sort of trips off the tongue either in terms of uh, familiarity. But actually, um, David, that does raise another point. I mean, Theresa May is running out of people to elect to either, you know, ministerial or cabinet positions, isn't she? She's been through so many now. You know, there aren't many left, and well, we, you know, we know that she might have a leadership challenge um, on her plate, but she's already got a reshuffle to do, as well as the, all the Brexit shambles. Well, exactly, and she's not, and she at this very moment is not sure how big the reshuffle will be. <laughs> well, I would, I would, I would aim for, a, I would, I would aim for almost a two-thirds uh, refill if I was her. But listen, David, we've got to run because it's a very, very big moving story. Yet oh, another minister. And there she is. She's uh, leaving Downing has Street resigned. right now. Theresa May just leaving Downing Street now, getting into the ministerial jag, uh, heading off to uh, Westminster and the Houses of Parliament to address the House of Commons at ten thirty. How many more will have gone by the time she? Well, arrives down the road. You've got nine minutes, Square. right? If anybody else wants to resign before she speaks, I think there will still be a big dog, as they say, uh, yeah. going before she gets up to speak. Just to completely 
pull the rug from under her because I think that is the way everybody's feeling at the moment. It's an extraordinary day of politics, an extraordinary day uh, in the world of Westminster. We'll be keeping tabs on it all the way through here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, luckily, Daisy, we have just the right person to talk to to find out what on earth is going on in Downing Street and what should be going on in Downing Street over the next few hours. It is, of course, Casey Perrier, uh, who was the communications chief for Theresa May, when all things seem to be a lot more simple. (laughs) Katie, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Well, I mean, it must be febrile down there in Westminster. You're uh, sort of probably right at the coalface there. I mean, it's incredible what's going on, isn't it? It is astonishing, but in a way, we've just been putting off the inevitable. We always were going to come to a crunch point, and the fact that you cannot unite the Conservative Party, and indeed you can't unite the country on this issue, it's not surprising that when we came to a final deal, there would be some kind of bloodshed. And so what Theresa May needs to work out is whether or not it's enough. She's got enough within her to carry on uh, whilst people resign around her. The fact of the matter is, the most important thing for Theresa May right now is that in Parliament, there is no mandate for no deal. The the rest of the parliamentarians, yes, you've got all the Brexiteers on one side and all the Remainers on the other, but in the middle, there's a big chunk of people that do not want to leave the European Union without some kind of Mm. deal. And she's saying it's this deal or nothing, and they might just follow it. Do you think she's had this deal concocted, as it were, or negotiated with an eye on getting it through Parliament rather than sort of convincing everybody outside of Parliament that it's a good idea? I think there's some truth in that. I mean, you could drive yourself mad if you just had to do a deal where everybody had to be included at all times and they're all different views. I've said right from the beginning, there's kind of 200 different versions of what a good Brexit looks like. Some people are quite happy with a loose connection with the EU and others want to cut and run completely. So she's never going to please everybody. The truth of this matter is it's a bum deal, but is it better than no deal? Well, that's a good question. I mean, the other thing to ask, I suppose, and you'll know this better than most people, is Theresa May made of strong enough stuff to get through all of this? Because she does seem very single-minded. I mean, we saw a very defiant statement last night when she walked out on her own. I thought that was interesting because I thought, normally speaking, you'd expect a leader to surround themselves with other people to look as if you're not isolated. But she came out on her own. She stood up on her own just now, um, you know, just over half an hour ago in the House of Commons, and looked as though she didn't have a care in the world and that everything was going smoothly and it was almost as though Nobody had bothered resigning at all this morning. It was a br- brilliantly delivered speech by Theresa May yesterday. That's when her back's against the wall, when she's really up against it, that's when she is at her best. She memorises a speech within about five minutes' notice and she goes out and she delivers it really well. The truth of the matter is she is on her own, but she's always been on her own in her political career. She's not clubbable. She's not kind of friendly towards her colleagues. She doesn't really inspire lots of loyalty and vice versa because she's not that kind of politician. And so I think she feels this is her public duty, her public service to plough on with this because she does not want to be the Prime Minister that took us into a no-deal scenario where we crash out of the EU and all kinds of things happen that she is really worried about. You can tell that what she said when she said no deal is better than a bad deal or the other way around and nothing, no, deal, no bad deal is worse, mm-hmm. she kind of didn't mean it because what she's saying mm-hmm. is that anything is better than a bad deal. And, you know, whether or not you believe that, and there's lots of people out there this morning that will be saying, you know what, I've had enough of all of this. Let's just crash out. You know, I'm ready for it. It's what I wanted. Let's just go. I'm fed up with all these politicians. And maybe that, that will grow in the next coming days. And, Casey, obviously, I think, you know, given half a chance, Theresa May is made of strong enough stuff to push on through, but she might not have that choice. That choice might be taken away from her um, in, in the, you know, way of a, a leadership challenge if we've got the, you know, the, the right number of MPs who are willing to send those letters to the 1922 committee. What's your understanding of what's going on behind the scenes on that? 
I think those letters are now there. I think that they're ready and I think that she will face a vote of no confidence in the next few days. The thing is, going back to the mandate in Parliament for the kind of Brexit they want, she possibly could win that. And the Conservative Party rules mean that you can't make that challenge again for another year. Mm. Those letters have been held back because they know they've only got one time to strike. And the Conservative Party members and MPs are ruthless. They don't strike to maim and cut you off by your knees. They literally strike to, to get, the, get, get you in one swoop. Mm. And so they're waiting to hold back. When the moment is right for them, they will strike, knowing that you know that's the one chance they've got to make it happen and try and get rid of the prime minister. And Katie, what do you think Michael Gove's um, position in all of that is? Because uh, nobody's been able to find him yet. That ple- 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 today, plenty of people have been call- calling his office and saying, "Is he going to stay on in the cabinet?" And they're refusing to comment either way, which normally means that he's seriously thinking about not staying in the cabinet. Yes, I think that Michael Gove probably is on the watch list in terms of what he does in the next couple of hours. He's cancelled his appearances this morning, uh, various different visits that he had planned. He was probably going over and over the situation that he's in, thinking whether or not he could support it. You know, from reports inside the cabinet yesterday, he was a vocal supporter of this. Mm. So if he walks today, he really we don't quite know where he's at. And so we are learning more by the hour. I don't think this is the end of the resignations. I think that we're going to have a few more to come. And uh, it'll, be, it'll be probably the most challenging 48 hours of Theresa May's career. Lots of comments about what's going on inside the chamber. Um, so Tim Shipman, who's written extensively about Brexit, has been tweeting manically this morning, telling us we are every move, every facial expression on every sort of minister or backbencher. Fascinatingly, he's tweeted that Rory Stewart was asked by the deputy chief whip to go and see the chief whip was sort of scooped out of the um, out of the the chamber. But presumably, that well, I'm guessing that might be for to boot him up to the cabinet. Uh, quite possibly, uh, they will be trying to make replacements within you know quite a few you know couple of hours. They won't want to leave it too long. I found some very interesting uh, news out in terms of Dominic Raab. He had an aeroplane waiting for him to take him to Brussels to do a joint press conference with Barnier, Michel Barnier. He refused. He said, "I cannot stand up next to this man and back this deal when I'm not for it or for it." So there was a plane all the, you know for the last few hours into those Brexit negotiations around the cabinet table yesterday to take him straight to Brussels. He refused to get on it. And so all of this stuff is starting to kind of come out of, uh, of mm. uh, you know, cabinet leaks and others where they've tried to they had a kind of a game plan as to how they would run it. And bit by bit yesterday, it fell apart. That cabinet meeting was never meant to last all that time. You know, we didn't know if she was going to be making a statement to the House of Commons or not yesterday. We didn't know if she was going to come out in the street and make a statement. Um, they are really in kind of the last chance saloon of trying to hold this together. It, but, you know, going back to it all and why I always say that despite the fact I don't love this Brexit deal. I think history will be kind of Theresa May because she is trying to keep an impossible thing together. And, uh, you know, she's, she's really hanging on by her fingernails. At well, this, she at really this point. is. And also the whole Brexit secretary job scenario is a joke now, isn't it? Because we've now had two resignations, the two guys that were doing the job, David Davis and Dominic Raab, neither one of which apparently had much to do with the Brexit negotiations. So is there any point in her even appointing a third one? That's kind of Theresa May's style of business, doing business. Incidentally, try and look on the green benches right now on the TV and try and find David Davis. I think he's abroad at one of the most <laughs> you know, pivotal moments in their political history. Well, I guess that means he's not going to stand for so, uh, leader uh, of the party then. He, he will be absolutely gutted. He'd want to be here in the mix of it all, encouraging his colleagues to do the right thing and resign, etc., etc. And he's not nowhere to be found. Right. So, uh, But Theresa May does government like that. She's always been like that. She kind of keeps people in the dark. She lets them know 
just enough information to keep them on board, but not enough to you know, pledge their lifelong loyalty towards them. And anybody that takes the Brexit secretary role right now must be glutton for punishment because it is a hard gig and half of your colleagues on those green benches sitting behind you don't like you very much the minute you take that job. No, indeed. Well, that means you won't want it then because Jim has just tweeted me here. Jim Shelley says, can't Katie Perry stand for leader? Uh, because, of course, you'd get an awful lot of votes, wouldn't you, Katie? Oh, I don't know about that. I'd rather eat my own arm. <laughs> So what do you reckon? What's your best bet on where we are here now? Before the end of the week, uh, we put, it sounds like from what you're telling me that there's going to be a vote of no confidence in Theresa May, which she may win. Uh, but if she doesn't, you know, we're all back to square one, aren't we? Well, the thing is that I'm presuming they're going to put those letters forward, but mm. they are playing a game. They're holding them back for the right moment, and they may feel the right moment is not now. Right. The moment is let, let us stew a little bit longer. Let parliamentarians get more and more and more worked up over this. And by the time we come back in early December to have that meaningful vote in Parliament where we get hours and hours and hours of debate that go long into the night, and even they're talking about into weekends, that's when possibly they will strike. So I'm not saying that she's you know done for yet. What I'm saying is that this makes it a lot harder for her to stay on these last 24 hours makes it a lot harder to stay on and if she does she really will be pulling off a miracle um, and so the rest of us all you know the business community the pound is tanking we are all looking at what does a Labour government mean just in case we need to know it right and we've got we've got almost 45 minutes now as well without a resignation so I don't know what that maybe means maybe they're stabilising maybe it's stabilising a little bit if you're sitting in Downey Street biting your fingernails now as the communications chief you're probably going could be uh, could be calming yeah. down a bit um, Katie, what do you make about the great big row about Nick Timothy? He, um, he's be, he wrote this piece saying this isn't a compromise, it's a capitulation by our Prime Minister. Um, and then I've just seen a tweet from uh, Matthew O'Toole saying Nick is perhaps the single most influential author of this deal. Every one of the shrill threats and red lines he dictated drove the negotiations towards the end. He shut out official advice and dissent. If it's a bad deal, he broke it. He owns it. Well, in a way, Daisy, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me about my former colleagues. So, <laughs> Sorry. I can't get out of the studio without it. <laughs> my mother always taught me, if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. And occasionally I fall foul of that when it comes to the former chief of staff at Number 10 Downing Street. Look, right, you know, um, there's many good things and many good, you know, positive things to say about what Nick Timothy and uh, his other colleagues at Number 10 gave towards Theresa May, had a real vision on social justice and other things. On this issue, I think that Matt O'Toole has pro probably hit the nail right on the head. Mm, yes, indeed. Well, we won't press you on that, Katie. Thank you very much indeed. Katie Perrier uh, joining us there with an insight into uh, Nick Timothy's world, but also into Theresa May's world. And she is remarkably resilient, Daisy. You would have to say yeah. uh, that as a woman who is, is and has faced kind of adversity uh, both personally and, of course, uh, during her time as Prime Minister. You know, this to her is just sort of the, another day in the office, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think we do understand now, you know, particularly with, with Katie's help and other people's help, you know, what does make her tick? And she is... You know this this person driven very single-minded. Well, single-minded, but driven by a sense of duty and driven by a sense of you know you know also great religious belief and a great sort of you know, that she's on it on her own. You know, it's very much a sort of martyr yeah. type figure sure. who's sort of taking it, taking one for the team. But actually, yeah. is that who you want? Well, you know, do, or do you want somebody who's going to be able to bring you know, who's more who is more clubbable, yeah. who is going to be able to both um, have people want to lead them, have people look up to them, and and, and run a team with teamwork. Well, you know, the reason as Kate he said and many others have said she's lost so many Brexit yeah. ministers and two Brexit cabinet ministers is because she wouldn't let them do their job she insisted on micromanaging she is very nannying
Well, indeed. I mean, looking at the numbers of people that have resigned, if you even go just back before Joe Johnson uh, to David Davis to Boris Johnson, you've got a whole host of people that we'd forgotten about I that have resigned. I think it's Steve last... Baker, yeah. uh, who was a Brexit minister. Uh, you've got a guy called Guto Beb, I don't even remember, a defence minister who went. Uh, we've got Ben Bradley, Maria Caulfield, uh, who were vice chairs. Uh, you've also got um, uh, Scott Mann, Robert Courts, Andrea Jenkins, Chris Green, you know, all parliamentary private secretaries. There's been a big number of people gone. How However, I would make the opposite argument to you that actually, if you have somebody who is clubbable, they will then end up favouring one side rather than another. And perhaps because she is kind of navigating this middle ground, which nobody wants, um, you know, what's the alternative? There is, you know, everyone's saying, where's Dominic Raab's, um, you know, points about what he would have done uh, if he'd actually got what he wants? Where's Boris Johnson's blueprint for what Brexit should look like? If now is the time for a leader who could actually run a coalition government across party mm. you know, well, you know emergency what? coalition government of all sides all parties and somehow but and they, uh, she would not be the person to do that it no. would have to be somebody of a different no, person but you know I, I wondered about this some months ago when I said I think I said it to Katy Perry one day why don't we just actually have a government of people who want Brexit to happen and that way you will get some form of um, you know respect for each other they all want the mm. same thing as opposed to what we have now which is kind of a mismatch and a, and a sort of jumbled up version of everything where some people want to remain some people want a soft Brexit some people want a hard Brexit you know it's impossible to make a better deal than the one there is I think and I think this is why (laughs) I said or is it impossible to make a worse deal well it may be both it It may be both you know the worst possible deal may be the best possible deal that was a phrase that was being said yesterday and I wonder uh, whether if we don't just move with some kind of a deal that, you know, we'll never get there. I mean, I think my personal opinions of, you know, waking up every day and thinking, oh, my God, not another day Mm. of Brexit shambles. Can't we just get this plaster off, you know, expose the scabby wound to the air and and get get going with it? Yeah, absolutely. But but then, you know, in some ways you think, well, that's just impatience and you might end up with something that you'll bitterly, you know, do something in haste. But it's not really impatience after two years, though, is it? Do something in haste that you bitterly regret for years and years to come. But certainly I suspect that a lot of people feel like I feel and just want it over and yeah. done with or at least let's look as if we're moving towards it yeah. being over and done with which we will never be if we don't start the process of a deal which is what Theresa May is trying to do it's fascinating stuff uh, we are talk radio of course we'll be taking your calls throughout the day we'll keep you updated throughout the day the number is 0344 499 1000 this is the independent republic of mike graham this is talk radio the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio what they do any excuse to play that song's always good as far as I'm concerned. It's particularly appropriate today, of course, because they're so busy stabbing each other in the back uh, down at Westminster that they can't see what's coming from the front, no. uh, to be honest. But it's an extraordinary state of affairs. Uh, 03444991000. George Galloway there just saying uh, he's not even sure that Theresa May will survive the day, uh, never mind the week. Let's go to the phones, though, because uh, here at Talk Radio, that's what it's all about. Uh, Patrick's in Belfast. Hello, Patrick. Morning, Mike. Morning, Dizzy. Morning. What do you make of it all? Boy, I take a day off work and the world goes to pot, mate. <laughs> well, that just shows you you should just stay at work and not bother with these politicians, for heaven's sake. Mike, I'm, I'm telling you, see all these people who are jumping ship, yeah. like this Northern Ireland minister who I've never heard of. I've never, never heard of him. He looks like. No, I didn't know who he was at all, I'll be honest. Exactly. I mean, he's, you know, maybe he knows what way Northern Ireland is run because the Northern Ireland minister doesn't. Right. And then you have Esther McVeigh. 
the next one about Michael Gove. I mean, he jumped in more beds than the having a like a, a high end. An episode of Big Brother, Brothers. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. Um, there's only three people. I believe she probably will be held the account and they'll do a vote of no confidence. Mm. I think she'll probably win that. But there's only three people who I look at, and you've had them on your show, who I believe are the remaining very quiet. And it's always the quiet ones that I always look out for and appreciate. And that's the likes of Colonel Bob. Yeah. Um, the Conservative MP who you had on there, I think it was last week, he talks a lot of sense. Andrew Bridgen right. we had, and there was also David Davis from Monmouth, who's the, the sensible David Davis, who actually yeah. speaks a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. No, you're and absolutely right. And then there's the military guy. Um, yes. Another yes. guy you've had on your show. No, not um, Rory Stewart, the guy that's written the book, Johnny Mercer. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Then, see, them three guys, I hold them in a lot of high esteem. For yes. The simple reason is, you know, they speak a lot of sense. That You know, you, you, you can... Um, you know, you can connect with them. Yeah. What's being said in in Northern Ireland, Patrick, about this deal since it came out the other day? Because obviously the DUP have made it pretty clear they're not that happy about it. But what what are the people of Northern Ireland saying about it? I, may, I, I believe the people of Northern Ireland, see, when you're propping up a government and you have the DUP yeah. as the proper uppers, yeah. you're on a sticky wicket, mate. Hey, telling me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, it, it's, it's, you know... It is absolute turmoil. People are just turning around and they don't know where to look. Right. They're going, really, is this the government that that is meant to lead us forward? Yes. This isn't what I voted for. Mm. But none of these people seem to have an absolute clue about what's going on. No. And it's, it's, we're the laughing stock of Europe. Mm. And then for Theresa May to turn around and, and ask Trump, oh, have you got my back? Are we singing off the same hang sheet? And he goes... Don't talk to me about politics. You can't even sort out your government. No, exactly. You know, it really is. Just... It really is quite depressing. But in the way that uh, that we hope that something better comes out of it, I'm sort of encouraged that maybe that will happen. Well, I'm hoping that something has to good come out of it. But it's the fact that you know nobody wants that job. Nobody wants that job. I can guarantee. See, after Brexit, you will get loads of conservative politicians saying, "Yeah, I'll do the job." Because Theresa May can't do right for doing wrong. Right. You know, it's, and how it's, ironic it's, would it be as well if all of these Tory rebels end up causing an election which ends up leading to Jeremy Corbyn being elected? I mean, I almost fell off my chair this morning when I heard Julie Hartley Brewer saying that she would be quite happy to vote in Jeremy Corbyn at this moment in time. Couldn't believe it. But Patrick, listen, thanks for your call. I'm going to leave it there. Let's talk to Craig, who's in Oxford. Oh, Craig? One Mike, one Daisy. Yeah, what do you reckon? Uh, well, personally, um, controversial, I don't think Michael Gove is going to go anywhere. Um, historically, when you know his back's been against the yeah. wall and he's under pressure, he turns into the spineless cretin he truly is. Well, he's a little he bit he's a little bit timid, isn't he? Well, he, he he seems to change his whim, you know, change his will as, as often as he likes. So um, I, I don't think he'll go anywhere. Personally, we heard he was supporting this deal last night, and so why would that position change unless there are external factors? I mean, one thing I would say is that if we accept this deal, we have no control over when it ends and into what happens after. We could stay there in limbo. Whereas if we leave with no deal, we then still... It, that's not a set in stone. We still have the option to take a deal further down the line, and the deal that we get to choose may or should be better. It's got more chance of improving, because at the moment, the deal that we've got, 
really suits the EU. The fact that what's his name Tusk come out yesterday, oh yeah, this is really bad for us. It's not. It's not good for anyone. Is is possibly the second biggest bit of nonsense I've heard <laughs> um, after the um, health minister on Julie Hartley Brewer's show, Matt Hancock, claiming that this. Yeah, claiming I know. This was a, such a great deal. I mean, I can't believe how he can hold his head up. And try and sell that nonsense. How stupid! Well, but Craig, do you are. think do you think it's because they are all? I mean, you're obviously not that scared of you know crashing out with no deal. But I think the politicians all are. And apparently, Matt Hancock in the um, uh, cabinet meeting yesterday was talking um, to the rest of cabinet about uh, the fact that he thought if we crashed out, that people would die as a result in the you know in 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 our hospitals and so on. So you can see that he's going to. Even if he thinks it's a terrible deal, he's going to think it's better than no deal. Okay, well, look, there, there are two situations. We take the deal and we are held basically on a leash by the EU until they deem fit. We can't negotiate anything. We just listen to what they say indefinitely because they have to sign off on, on anything changing. Or we leave with no deal, which isn't great, and we do get tariffs, but it leaves us free to go out and sign quick deals with Japan, China, India, New Zealand, Australia, Canada, America. And every time we sign one of these deals, or even a temporary agreement, our position gets stronger and theirs gets weaker. But doesn't that happen anyway? If we get this deal and it goes through and it begins the process and over the course of a couple of years, then we go for those outside deals and we work it through on a more kind of relaxed level rather than having to do it all at once in a big rush. Whilst they hold the leash, we are not allowed to, to try and... Yeah, but that's what it says now. But what we know now, Craig, about almost any situation is that we can negotiate through anything. You know, you could say to Brussels halfway through the first year, for example, we could get to, I don't know, August of next year and say, well, do you know what? Here's what we want to do now. And if you don't like it, we're going to do it anyway. You know, we would always have that option, surely. I don't, they won't ever agree to anything that undermines their position. Well, then we walk away. We, we, Surely. We're in a week, of, but we can't. It's unilateral route. Why we not? We can't walk away without their agreement. No, that's not if, true. If, if we're we well, we're walking this, away. No, hang on. We're walking away now without their agreement, Craig. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't ask them. Easy. We didn't We didn't ask them for permission to have a referendum. No, that's under Article 50 rules that we're, we're able to walk away. But if we sign this agreement that Theresa May is, is, is set up, it means that we cannot cancel this without consent from both parties that's been brought up by every every commentator yeah but you know as well as i do craig that the people that bring that up are the ones who don't want it to happen whenever anything happens there's always two views on it and you can always find a lawyer that will make you get out of a situation that you're in whether it be an employment law problem whether it be a divorce law problem you know whether it be interlateral trade problems you know there's always a legal way out that that being the case i wish we had their lawyers well, maybe. But, I mean, what is the alternative here? Because the alternative doesn't sound any better to me. As I said, my my target or, or, or route now would have to be no deal and negotiate trade deals or okay. temporary trade deals with other people and then get back to the table in six, nine, 12 months with the EU when we are stabilised and we have... These, these trade deals in place and, and negotiate a better deal yeah. than what they're trying to offer. See, I don't moment. see that as necessarily any better, and I don't really see why you would bother ditching the one you've got now for another one which doesn't appear to be any better, or in fact may well be worse, and that is the point. Craig, thank you very much indeed. Panic on the streets of London
This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Daisy McAndrew is here. You know what to do. 0344 uh, The febrile atmosphere in Westminster seems to be slightly calming down. Nobody's resigned uh, for almost an hour now, uh, which is pretty good going when you consider what was happening just before this show started, where Dominic Raab went. Uh, and then, of course, we had uh, a couple of other junior ministers who had gone before him. Uh, and then uh, Esther McVeigh went as well. So whether or not Michael Gove is going to decide to join um, Theresa May in trying to push this deal through or whether or not he's going to be one of those who decides to strike while the iron is hot we shall see uh, but as Katy Perry has said there may well be a vote of no confidence in Theresa May it may come sooner or it may come later but I think there's no doubt it will definitely come at some point Alex Dibble Talk Radio's uh, rambling reporter roving reporter is out there and about he's down I think in uh, Downing Street or in Westminster um, very good morning to you Alex yeah, good morning, guys. I mean, this situation is utterly, utterly bonkers. I was down here when um, the EU referendum uh, was announced, and, and that day was remarkable. You know, mm. David Cameron resigned. It was all crazy. Yeah. This feels a little bit like that because nobody knows what's going to happen next. Mm. Because in, in the next, but by the end of, you know, within the next month, there are, there are three possible scenarios, right? So, number one is that Theresa May clings on and delivers a Brexit that nobody wants. Right. <laughs> that's, that's number one. Number two is Theresa May gets ousted, is replaced as Conservative Party leader by uh, somebody else um, within the party, like Dominic Raab, who's just resigned this mm. morning. And then nobody knows what sort of Brexit we're going to possibly be able to deliver in the space of about three weeks. And then the third option is that there's a general election and Jeremy Corbyn becomes prime minister. So if you tell me that either of those three options are not bonkers, then, you know, you don't know what's going on. It's, well, it's indeed, I mean, crazy. And, and unfortunately, uh, Alex, you're absolutely right. But also it, there could be a double the number of uh, possible permutations in, even into those three or maybe treble the number of permutations into those three things that you've just described. What, whatever happens, um, it would seem that the, the odds are against Theresa May surviving this. However, she is a woman of uh, a great survivability, it would seem. Indeed. I mean, she's she, she's had the probably the toughest two years of almost any prime minister since Winston Churchill and, the, and, you know, since the EU referendum, since she took over from David Cameron. And she's still going. She's still sort of like a boxer who's sort of got, a, you know, swollen eye and, a you know, damaged jaw. She's still just taking the blows and getting off the ropes and coming back. But you're right. You know, can she survive this? Because Dominic Raab has gone, the, the Brexit secretary. And uh, you've listed just a moment ago the other people who've resigned. And uh, this morning, Mike, I've actually been speaking to uh, a Brexit minister um, by the name of Robin Walker. Now, of course, it's his boss, Dominic Raab, who's just uh, resigned this morning. So I asked him, given everything that has happened today and yesterday, is it possible that Theresa May can survive as prime minister by the end of the week? Yes. Definitely. Yes, I think Prime Minister has the support of the vast majority of colleagues in the party, uh, and I think she's done the right thing for the country. Uh, I think people respect her for that, and she will deliver. And with regard to Dominic, um, who can possibly replace him? Who can deliver a better situation than we're in now, salvage this? I don't think that's for me to speculate. I think at the end of the day, uh, what we need is for the, the government to work together to deliver an exit from the EU that delivers on the referendum and delivers for our economy. That's exactly what we're doing through the deal we've negotiated. Uh, and I think it's right that we should all focus on that. Thank you. And when he says, it's not for me to speculate, that's kind of another way at the moment, Mike, of saying, 
I've no idea what's going on. No, absolutely right. Was that, by the way, their own very own version of the um, Independent Republic of Mike Graham klaxon for somebody resigning as, as that uh, siren was going off in the background? Because we've been sending this, the klaxon sound out all morning when uh, whenever somebody resigns. That was the emergency services rushing to help the government <laughs> in crisis. Piecing it back yeah, together again. Absolutely incredible stuff. But also, the Brexit job, which is one of uh, several jobs now once again open inside the government, um, is it would appear, and I said this to Katie Perry a little while ago, Alex, a complete non-job because whoever the Brexit secretary is clearly does not negotiate Brexit with the European Union. Well, indeed. Well, what, what is the, the, the job description? If the government writes up the job description and invites applicants for the Brexit secretary now, what do they write in the job description? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because the, the deal has been agreed already. Um, with between the UK and, and the EU. And Theresa May, Theresa May is now going to say to Parliament, please support it. We have no idea whether that will happen. There's a very high chance that it will get voted down. Uh, and then what do we do? I mean, it's it's utterly bonkers. But for the first time, I mean, Theresa May this morning has been giving a statement to, to MPs in the House. She was laughed at on more than one occasion as she tried to Heckled. say that... that the heckled, you know, she tries to say that this will deliver a smooth and orderly Brexit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but there was one phrase that just stuck out to me because Theresa May has always said Brexit is happening. She's been very, very clear that the democratic will of the, the UK when we voted to leave is going to be acted upon. But today she said that that it was possible that if we vote this deal down, we risk no Brexit at all. Yeah. Now, she has not said anything like that before. And so I think that is just a very telling thing that, that everybody, especially if they are hardcore Remainers at the moment, is mm. going to be leaping on this and saying, hang on, is there any way we can manipulate this situation, work it, so that Brexit doesn't happen at all. Well, maybe that's what she's got in mind. Alex, thank you very much indeed. Alex Dibble there, uh, of course, reporting in from Westminster, uh, talking to various people down there, getting a, a bit of a flavour. And I think whilst Alex was talking to us, mm. Jacob Rees-Mogg was on his feet in, uh-huh. in the chamber, threatening the Prime Minister with a vote of no confidence. Oh, really? So you know, he he asked this very, you know, in a typical um, Rees-Mogg way, said to her, you know, Prime Minister, you know, is there any reason why I shouldn't mm. hand in the letters to Graham Brady, the chairman of the 1922 committee, calling for a vote of no confidence? Yeah. Because what you said and what you promised are mm. not the same thing. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via dab online or via the talk radio app if you have an opinion on the stories we cover we'd love to hear from you call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at talk radio during the show to have your say the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio spring is that you warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. 
Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.